0: So today we begin our Advent sermon series entitled Finding Emmanuel, or better translated, Finding God with Us, as we begin to prepare our hearts to receive the one who was promised to be the Savior of the world. This notion of this child called Emmanuel begins in the Old Testament, in the prophecy given to Isaiah, when he speaks of a virgin conceiving a child, giving birth and then calling him Emmanuel. And then in Matthew's Gospel, in the New Testament, the fulfillment of this prophecy takes place as Matthew shares a story about a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, who was engaged to a woman named Mary. But a scandal takes place, and Joseph's fiancée, Mary, becomes pregnant before marriage. Joseph, surprised by this mysterious pregnancy, intended to divorce her quietly, but an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and explained to him that her pregnancy was God's doing. And so Joseph is instructed to remain with Mary and to have this child together, and to give him the name Jesus, which literally means he saves, because he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew bridges the gap between the Old Testament and now the New Testament by letting us know that all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The birth of this anticipated child is a sign of God's promise that we are not alone in this world, that God indeed is with us. And I have to be honest with you, there are times that many of us might question whether or not God is with us. As we look around this sinful and broken world and all of the evil and the things that take place around and among us, there are times that we question, where is God in all of this? Is God really with us? And yet season of Advent is a time of reflection, a time of meditation, a time to prepare, to prepare our hearts for the truth, for the good news of the gospel that God indeed is here and has come to us in Jesus the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And so as we begin to prepare, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question for you to ponder and reflect upon in your heart are we finding emmanuel or is emmanuel finding us are we finding emmanuel or is emmanuel finding us i'm curious how many folks in here have seen the classic movie Forrest gump if so, if so raise your hand so i can see them high good Most of you have seen that movie. If you've seen the movie, maybe you will remember a scene in that movie where Forrest is celebrating the holidays with his best friend, Lieutenant Dan. Now, Lieutenant Dan has been wounded from the Vietnam War and loses his legs. They're amputated. He's confined to a wheelchair, and he's rather depressed. And so during the holidays, Forrest makes it a point to come and be with him so he will not be alone. Now you know that Lieutenant Dan is not a well deeply committed Christian in any way in the movie but during this gathering together Lieutenant Dan asks Forrest a very deep theological question. He looks at him, breaking the silence, and he says to Forrest, "Have you found Jesus yet, Gump?" Of course, Forrest, looking a bit surprised, responds back to Lieutenant Dan, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. You see, while Forrest oftentimes comes across as simple-minded, I think maybe he's really on to something here. You see, I think this is the paradox of Scripture. Are we finding Emmanuel, or is Emmanuel finding us? You know, the Christian church affirms that Scripture exists to reveal the invisible God, so that we can see Him and know Him for who He is. Now, you don't have to have a Bible to know that there is a God. Just take a vacation to the beach and enjoy the warm sand and watch the the ocean waters roll in only so far. Maybe watch the beauty of a sunset or the sunrise or at nighttime look against the vastness of the universe at all the starry hosts in heaven and the moon come to the mountains and see the seasons change before our very eyes, we can know, just based on creation, that there is a God who exists. Who else have created such a beautiful place? Many times we look about in the beauty of creation... And we are reminded that God indeed is with us. But the truth is, we cannot know who this God is apart from the special revelation in the pages of Scripture in which God reveals not only who He is, but who we are in light of who He is. All of Scripture tells a story, God's story with humanity. And it is a story about seeking and being found. But the question is, who's doing the seeking? Could Forrest actually be right? You see, when we begin to really study the pages of Scripture, you will find that the one who is always doing the seeking is God, not us. The Bible is filled with stories that reveal this to us. Just open your Bible to the first book in Genesis And you will find God seeking Adam and Eve in the garden because they're hiding from him because they have done exactly what God told them not to do. God is looking for them. Further on in Genesis, you will find God calling out to a man named Abram, encountering him and asking him to leave his hometown of 75 years and to begin a new life in Haran and to trust him that he would bless him. And that he would make his descendants prosper. Continue on in the pages of scripture and you will find his descendant Jacob. Whom God encounters one day and wrestles with him to the point of exhaustion. And then renames him Israel. In which God begins to bless this nation and this people. Move on to the book of Exodus and you will find a man named Moses. Moses. God encounters him one day while he's watching and shepherding his flocks. And God calls out to him from a burning bush. And he asks him to go back to Egypt where he's wanted by the FBI there for murder and to tell Pharaoh to let his people go after suffering 400 years of enslavement. God says to Moses, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God wakes up Samuel from his slumber, and he tells him his message to give to the priest Eli. God chases a man named Jonah, who defies his command to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. Over and over and over again, All of these stories we have in Scripture speak to us about a God who is constantly seeking his people out and calling out to them. And then the ultimate culmination of God's seeking comes to us in the holy mystery of the incarnation, God becoming a human being in the birth of Jesus the Christ. John tells us this, he says, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. It's Luke who tells us the story of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem where at that time there were shepherds nearby watching their flocks by night. Just as Moses was watching his flocks and God showed up, these shepherds too are watching their flocks and God does the same thing. But they are completely oblivious that God is going to meet them. God finds them. And in doing so, he includes them into his story of divine redemption. In the midst of the quiet night, the luminous glory of God breaks in with the greatest birth announcement imaginable. An angel of the Lord appears out of nowhere, scaring the shepherds almost to death, telling them not to be afraid because they bring good news of great joy for all of the people. And then the angel says to them, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And so they respond to the angel's message by leaving the flock under their care to find this Savior. And they find the child just as it was told to them, and then they begin to spread the word. They leave, praising God for what they had seen. But what had they seen? In the face of the infant Jesus, they saw the face of the God who spoke to Moses from a burning bush. They saw what the prophet Isaiah prophesied ages before. They saw Emmanuel, God with us. You see, God sought out many shepherds in Israel's history. And so it's fitting that God once again would seek out shepherds to be a part of and witness God's most glorious gift, his love displayed to us in Jesus. But we know that this child grows up, Jesus becomes a man, and he becomes a man on a mission, inaugurating God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And in doing so, Jesus himself embodies this notion that he is called to seek and save the lost. And he begins his ministry by calling out to fishermen and tax collectors inviting them to follow him and they begin to follow him on this journey of ministry together and later in john's gospel it is jesus who reveals to them who really did the seeking here he says to his disciples you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last He begins to explain the mysteries of the kingdom of God through parables, stories, taking tangible things that you and I would know about here on earth and explaining the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven through them. And so in Luke's gospel, Jesus gives us three stories back to back to back that speak of God's amazing and radical love that seeks us even when we're not seeking Him. We know them as the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and probably the most famous parable of all, the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus' parable of the lost sheep displays this radical nature of God who leaves behind the whole flock At the expense of the one lost wandering sheep. It's kind of like the shepherds leaving behind the flock to find the Savior of the world. But this shepherd refuses to give up until he finds this lost sheep and brings it back safely to the flock again. Now, I don't know how much you know about sheep, but sheep themselves are social animals, but they stay in flocks together, and they have a tendency to slowly nibble their way beyond the pasture, not realizing that they have moved away from the flock completely. Once lost, the sheep will not bleed out in distress out of fear that it may expose itself to a predator would find it instead it will lie down in the wild brush and become completely immobile paralyzed you know jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd who is always seeking the lost sheep and like the lost sheep i find that our sinfulness leads us away from the flock And then we too become immobile, refusing to turn towards God. You and I desperately need a shepherd to come and to save us, to find us, to bring us back safely in to the care of his pasture. And I find that this is the heart of the gospel It is God who searches high and low, who seeks to find his lost sheep wherever they are in order to bring them safely back home. I find it interesting that the good shepherd finds Moses shepherding his own sheep, encountering him and calling him then to participate in his work. And this is sort of the same thing that happens when he encounters these lowly shepherds watching their flocks by night. God calls out to them and tells them what's going on, and they participate in this divine story and sharing this good news. They participate in his work. I find that this is exactly what God does. God is always seeking us so that we might find him, and he reveals himself to us so that we are not abandoned and that we're not alone. And despite our sin that separates us from God, God still desires to be with us. There's no sin too great to prevent God from coming and finding us and bringing us back. God had promised to be with Moses. He said, I will be with you to help him lead his people out of Egypt and towards the promised land. And the shepherds shepherds were called to behold God's ultimate salvation in the face of a child who saves us from our sins and with God's help to go out and declare God's good news that God is certainly with us. You see, both the old and the New Testaments, they show us that finding Emmanuel isn't something that we can do entirely of our own accord. No, Emmanuel must first find us so that we can respond in seeking him. You see, it's possible that Forrest Gump actually understood this all along. His response, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir, challenges the notion that we can find Jesus, that we can find God merely on our own. Maybe he understood that God finds us first, long before we can start searching for him. Isn't that what we sing, choir, in the hymn Amazing Grace? I think it goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You see, if we were once lost, we were found. And we were found by the one who who finds us and seeks us out. That's the truth of Scripture. Is that the God that we serve is the one who seeks us first, who finds us wherever we are, encounters us, calls us, and leads us to seek Him the rest of our days. And because we've been found by God, God calls us as his people to seek him together, to bear witness to his good news of grace that that finds the wayward sinner, that finds the lost sheep, no matter how lost we might be, brings us back safely to where we belong. In fact, Jesus tells us, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent praise be to God that Emmanuel has found us, that Emmanuel has found you, that Emmanuel has redeemed you, that Emmanuel promises to be with you each and every moment of each and every single day, that God indeed is with us. And this Advent season, as we reflect on God's inbreaking into our world may we never ever forget this important truth that it is God who seeks us because he loves us that much that nothing could get in his way from finding us saving us and calling us back into his sheep in. May we never forget it, because in remembering that and believing that, we then are able to seek him. Friends, may we do so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.